Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and what a joy it is to be with you listeners as we have story after story after story that really touch our hearts. And our guest today is Burr Schilling to share with us his heart about Israel, what's going on there, and to explain to us the problems that we're seeing. Burr, thank you for coming. Well, it's good to be with you. Talk to me a little bit about what's happening with Israel and and how America's responding. I think your listeners are aware of what's happening right now since the October 7 attack. Hamas has um, taken uh, hostages, released a few. Iran is involved in a lot of the, um, not only Hamas, but Hezbollah attacks, the um, Houthi attacks on the Red Sea. And the U.S., uh, at least the government, finds itself uh, in a dilemma. What do we do? Do we um, attack back? And they have now a couple of times. Or do we um, wait and see, try to dialogue with people? And those of us who have an attachment to Israel sit back and are concerned for our friends who live there, both Palestinian and Israeli. I have friends in both, uh, on both sides. The loss of life hurts us deeply, whether that is Israeli loss of life or if it's um, Palestinian or Gazan loss of life. We all understand war, and sometimes things have to be settled militarily. We're just praying that that happens quickly. I personally thought it would be over by now. Unfortunately, just continues. Those of us who are grateful for the starting of our understanding from God in Israel, when Jesus was sent there, we are so unprepared for this kind of response. And yet I think that our world is getting less and less appreciative of what the Scripture says, of what Jesus came to do. Consequently, this attack somehow or other has pushed people to say, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't have anything to do with this. We let this thing go, and it's not ours. There are a lot of different reactions. Those who are committed to Israel because of our faith hold a position that uh, it's got to be cleaned up. It's got to be settled. There are those who are more pro-Palestinian and pro-Gazan, pro-Hamas even, pro-terrorist, who are marching and, and trying to promote that position against Israel. There is a split in the American mind. And then I'm sure there are a lot who just say, um, uh, you know, that's a, that's a regional thing. We're not involved in that. Uh, they may not even understand. So you have kind of three different, uh, I think, people involved here. You've got those who understand the land, the history of the land, what's, what's been going on. The last major war was in 73, so most of us are, aren't even aware of that any longer. And then you have those who uh, are anti-democracy, anti-Israel, who are still marching in the streets and um, even at the White House. Do you believe that the culture that we are in with the schools, the 
higher education especially, that students are getting a terrible picture of Israel? Because it just seems to me that so many students are willing to rise up and do terrible things because they want Israel wiped off the mat. Yeah, yes, that's true. And this is not a new thing coming from the university. Now, first of all, let me tell you, I'm responding purely from observation and experience. I've not written research on it. I'm really just giving an opinion. The universities have held anti-American, anti-Israel positions among the faculty for a long time. I've been retired for several years. I didn't experience anti-Israel sentiment, but I certainly experienced anti-Christian sentiment when I was, uh, and of course, I've only got one uh, university experience, but it's happening uh, across the nation. Our universities for a hundred years have been moving toward a more liberal thinking and that's where the intellectual debates can take place. That's where they convince themselves that their positions are superior to other positions. Values, uh, particularly biblical values, aren't important as uh, we're looking at uh, justice, the whole social justice thing. It may not be directly related to Israel, but it's in that whole mix do you think that students cannot see the difference between Israel and their kindness around the communities versus the idea that you would have a group that would be shooting at people they don't even know? So many people have been killed. So many people have been tortured. So many people are stuck in underground hidings. And these are the things that I don't understand why the kids in school today from high school to college to advanced college, don't seem to really hear this message. They are hearing a message, but it's basically one-sided, and it doesn't come out until like this forces it out, and they have to now deal with it, with the realities of what these positions end up providing. So in high school, students are being taught social justice all of these what have become racial issues in America. And of course, um, they easily can see that Jews are a race. They're not just a country or a nation, but they're a race of people. And if they're hearing in a classroom setting, even subtly, negative things, when something happens outwardly, they could boost in on that. And the other thing I think, we, we send our kids to the university, they've come out of high school, even good high school settings, where there's not been this kind of um, turmoil. For example, in, in my area, the schools are very conservative, but they go to a university and now they're sitting under the expert, the PhD, and they're introduced to things that they weren't even asked to think about before they got there. And the more they hear it, and the more they hear it in every classroom from various professors, it begins to soak in a little bit. We all know that the strongest proponents of any theory are the converts. Let's take just a new believer. 
a new believer in Jesus comes in and gets so excited about this new faith and how their life has been transformed that, that they can't tell enough people. And the same thing is true with any other theory that a convert comes in, and these young people, now that they're debating in their mind these new thoughts that have been coming to them, and when the opportunity from a classroom, a professor, a group of students provides them the opportunity to speak out, they do that. And then, of course, there's all kinds of um, studies done on herd instinct where nobody would do it on their own, but uh, in a group they would do it. And I think it's become the accepted thing among university students to hold this position. And those who don't are viewed as the outsiders, those who are intolerant. And in some cases, we're hearing that it's even dangerous, particularly for the Jewish students. Yeah, absolutely. I have seen those comments where they're going to school there as well, and they're saying, oh my goodness, we're going to get tortured here soon if they don't stop this, if they don't back off here. But the thing that bothers me is you're not hearing this from people in the States. We're really not picking up and saying, what's happening in Israel? Why aren't we standing up for them? I think we also have to think about Christian community. And I I guess I need to say, beyond our local communities, tend not to participate against their opponents. And as we all know, the whole abortion thing, it's one thing to put a sign in your front yard. It's another thing to take a position where you might get some, some reaction. And if we can't do it for the life of an unborn, it's going to be difficult for us to do it for those who live in another country we don't even know. We just know about them. We've heard about God's love for his children, for Israel, that kind of thing. But it's not a reality. Some of us have friends, some of, but many do not. Many are not aware, other than what they see on a, a few minutes on, on the news in the evening, if they're even watching the news. We're talking with Burr Schilling, and I want to come right back after a break because I've got lots of questions from what you just said. So join us back here in just a moment, right here at Choose Life Radio. Joe will be back in a moment to continue this week's inspiring interview. First of all, to our family of friends and financial contributors, Thanks so much for your generous financial support these past few months. We met the match, and contributions continue to arrive. And to those of you who made your very first contribution to Choose Life Radio during the challenge, a very special thank you. You helped push us to the goal. But now it's February, a time when many think about chocolate, Valentine cards, and love. And too often, I'm afraid, in that order. For those of us who live in colder climates, we're already counting the weeks and days till we see more sun and daylight than not. One of the things that happens in January, February, and March is that contributions tend to be smaller and less frequent, especially to media ministries. And that's understandable. Most of us spent more money on Christmas presents for family and friends than we had planned on. So the first couple of months of the new year, we spend playing catch-up, and one of the items we put on the back burner is giving to our favorite charities and ministries. And that's why your special gift, right now, would be most helpful. 
Your gift of $50 or $100 or more will be helpful to ensure that Choose Life Radio continues on this station to share stories of the heart. And Jill and I believe stories, like the parables Jesus shared, can be instructive and help change attitudes and lives for the kingdom. So your gift today is important. You can send your gift today through the online portal at chooseliferadio.com. Push the donate button and make your gift online. That's chooseliferadio.com. Or you can send your gift to Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio, 44735. Thank you for sending your gift today. You are the one who makes it possible to share the value and sanctity of life on this station. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and I'm so blessed to have you listening in with us. I am so happy to have Burr Schilling back. He's not only a very educated person and knows a lot about history and a lot about the other countries, but he's a good friend. We're just talking about how quiet this country seems to be about this issue, and we're adding how quiet the churches are being about this issue. Can you dive into that a little bit with me? Well, as we all know, all we have to do is look back at past leaders in our government, and you've had some that have been very pro-Israel and some that have been not so pro-Israel. So part of the issue has to do with the relationship from the government's perspective on who's in charge, both the prime minister of Israel and the president of the United States. And in some cases, those have been very close relationships, lots of uh, dependence upon one another. Uh, Israel's assured of America's support. And then in other administrations, not so much. There is an official relationship, but it's not always promoted between individuals as such. The church is a different issue, I think. I'm not sure exactly how to, how to respond to it because I get frustrated with the church that we don't take stands that I think we should be taking stands against, biblical stance. I'm not concerned about political positions. Everybody's going to have different opinions about those. But biblical issues like caring for the unborn and caring for the widows and the poor, and frankly, we don't hear much about any of that from particularly our evangelical pulpits. Occasionally, and there are a few who um, take those positions, but at least, again, this is my observation. I'm not hearing and seeing a lot of promotion of, let's stand for Scripture. This is what God tells us we should do. Don't just pray, get involved, do something. And so when an issue like this comes up where Israel is in jeopardy, we know that we have a relationship with Israel. We know that God loves Israel. We know that we've been taught in Sunday school and church uh, in sermons that we have this relationship with Israel But again, if it doesn't affect my family and my finances, I may pray when I think about it. But for some reason, the selfishness in the church has really embedded itself. And again, this is probably totally unfair 
to many of the churches because I only know the churches I know. I think the larger the church gets, the harder it is for them to really discern whether they want to make the statements that should be made because money's involved for churches. Who's giving the most money? Who's supporting the programs that we're doing? And so it becomes convoluted, which it shouldn't be. God never wanted his house to be distracted by these things. In some cases, we have the wrong concept of what we're called to. We've somehow in the American church determined that if we can pay our bills and we can grow the numbers in the congregation, that we somehow now have a voice, we tend to look at success very differently than Scripture looks at success. As we build, there's less need to speak out, because like you say, we've become comfortable with the income, we've become comfortable with the workers, the volunteers, and we have our outreaches to the communities. But when it comes to major biblical issues, we rely on the, uh, on the government to do those things. I agree with you, and yet there are issues that should be in, inside of us as believers that we care about people, that we go to places that need help. I just feel like that pressure that you're talking about, that a pastor is under, is how do I make the people who are in here understand what God expects from his children? Yes, and our pastors and our leaders are human. And it's easy for them to begin to compare themselves with another pastor, another church, feel intimidated by someone who has a stronger personality, maybe even in the board or uh, in the leadership of the church. We have to come to a place where we talk about discipleship and how am I letting Jesus be Lord of my life and dealing with my own selfishness and realizing because someone has talents that I don't have, God can use those talents alongside my talents. And it's not a threat to my talents. And so I think once the church reaches a certain size, we just kind of maintain. It's easy to maintain because we don't have the big, uh, I want to say fights, we don't have the big issues that we had when we were smaller trying to grow. And of course, Israel's halfway around the world. That's uh, We read about it, we hear about it, but it's not the community down the street where the, where the people are starving and we can feed them. I so appreciate what you say, and one of the things that I'm finding in our relationship, Howard and me, is that arguments are a little easier to have right now. And I think because we are on edge I think because we are watching the news, which I, I'm sure I should not be watching as much as I do, we are seeing the world in bad situations. And the reality is we cannot take that into our home, into our relationships, into our kids when they're needing something from us. We've got to be the kind, pleasant people that God wants us to be in relationship with everyone, even the people who are difficult to be around. We still need to be just sunshine of, uh, of God when they see us. Yes, 
we, uh, he, he's to be Lord of our life in all circumstances, in all relationships, in all intellectual pursuits. It's okay to watch the news. It's okay to hear what's going on. But we can't sit in our homes and say, oh, my, what are we going to do about this? We've got to permit Jesus to live in us like he does in other situations and say, okay, is there something I can do? What is it that I can do? Even if my church is not doing it, what might I, how, how might God use me to care for the Jewish people who live in my city or the Jewish community? I appreciate that, and I think that I didn't mean to get so afar in the church issues, but the reality is, who are we? How are we to see this issue that's that's harming right now Israel and the people who live in regions around, because they're all being impacted by this. And so it's our prayers, it's our willingness to send money to organizations we trust, it's our willingness to talk about it with other people. Those are the things that I think God's called us to do here in America, unless we fly over there, which you do on a regular basis and probably can't do right now. Yeah, I just I just had to can just had to cancel my my February departure, so uh, unfortunately, but but I'll go back. Bert, would you do me a favor and tell me what organization you have that you take people on tours in case there's someone who would be interested in that? I teach for Jerusalem Center for Biblical Studies. It's uh, the academic arm of educational opportunities out of Lakeland, Florida. Educational Opportunities takes more people to Israel than any other travel agency in America, and we are the nonprofit academic side of that. So I have several instructors, we call them, many of them professors, some retired, some still active in the classroom, who actually do the teaching for us uh, at um, Jerusalem Center. So uh, I've been teaching for them for 30 years. I've been on staff with them for, I guess, five years now. So uh, I'm, I'm responsible for putting trips together for churches and, and colleges and universities and getting instructors to um, teach them. And, and then, of course, I do my own teaching as well in Israel. For the amount of time that you have been touring and, and being in Israel, how do you feel when you see the news? What really bothers you or what is a blessing? Well, the first thing that bothers me is I know some of the people there, so I keep in touch with them. I continually text them or call them, are you safe? Are your kids safe? Uh, have you had rocket threats today? And then I know, because of my travels, I know the communities. So clear up north, where Hezbollah is, is shooting rockets in, I don't know a lot of the people personally, but I've driven the streets of their town. I've seen their houses, their businesses. I know that their families have had to all evacuate and move south where the rockets aren't uh, as likely to hit, not knowing whether their houses are being destroyed or, or not. I know the people, even if I don't know their names. I have a relationship with the people who are there, both Israeli and non-Israeli. I have Palestinian friends who live in the West Bank that I, uh, I'm concerned about, even though there's nothing happening uh, as far as the war goes in the West Bank. They still are concerned 
for their families. Yeah, I'm sure that this is really heartbreaking for you. Would you end us with a prayer that is a prayer for Israel and a prayer for us that we understand how important it is that we stay praying? I would love to. Father, we come to you and thank you for your goodness and your love, the way you express it to us in ways that we often pass by every day. And we do bring to you our friends in Israel, those that we know by name and those that we don't know by name, who suffered today, who have lost loved ones, who have hostages that they don't know uh, whether are still alive or not. So um, wrap your arms around them and and comfort them and let them know that, that you're still the God of Israel. And for us here, open our eyes, give us wisdom, open our hearts. May we find a place in our hearts that could love people we don't know, that we only know maybe by the name of their country, but who um, need a touch from you. I pray for those in Gaza who are in danger. I pray that you um, protect the innocent, that you be with the families who have lost their loved ones. And Lord, this is a um, tragic, tragic thing. And so we just pray that it ends soon that you will be glorified and honored in, uh, in it all. Sometimes that's hard to, for us to think about how you honor God in war. But we know that, um, that you love Israel, you love the people, you love Gazans, you love Hamas. Jesus died for them all. And I just pray that Jesus be glorified. And it's his name I pray. Thank you. Thank you for the prayer. Thank you for the wonderful interview. And Burr Schilling, I thank you for your heart. I'm Jill Taylor, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you again next week on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.